The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and strategies to shake up the status quo in human resources and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. If you want to run with the Game Changers in the right place. Yes, welcome to our newest series, HR Trends with Game Changers. Today's buzz showing up. What in the world do I mean by that? Well, it reminds me of a Woody Allen quote. Forgive me here, but 80% of success is showing up. Yes, Mr. Allen, I think you've proven that. So let's apply this to your company because we're here on the Voice America World Talk Radio Business Channel. So here's the scenario. If you've identified future leaders in waiting, they're eager to be sponsored, to be mentored, to be coached, to be maybe coddled and coaxed and cajoled. What do they want? They want to earn the privilege of leadership in your organization. So how do you get them there? Are you tapping into your current leaders to do more than just show up? You know I tie it all together. Are your current leaders participating in what I call the passing of the baton by sharing their knowledge, their skills, and their passion for leadership. Think about it. Who is better to grow and strengthen the capabilities of your new leaders than other leaders? If it's done right, a leader as teacher paradigm can end up as a win-win for your organization and guess what? Your bottom line. Why and how? Well, last week we talked about leadership empowering leaders at all levels. Today we're going to talk about the power of leaders teaching leaders, continuing our theme. I have an amazing panel, three dynamic women, smart, passionate, committed, and great track record in leadership, and I'm going to tell you who they are right now. We won't hear from them for just another few minutes. First, we're joined by Dr. Catherine Jones, one of our repeat guests on Game Changers Radio. She's with Burson by Deloitte, and she says, and I quote, the real measure of a leader is in his or her followers. What if the general at the front turned around and all the troops were nowhere to be seen? Duh. Leadership is vested in a person by the followers. It is not assigned to an individual. It's very important to hear this, and Catherine has a lot to say. She adds, leadership isn't a title. It's in the ability to inspire and motivate, to take responsibility for that decision, to charge. I can see the light brigade right there. We'll be talking to Catherine in a minute. I understand we've got, yes, Liz Brenner is on the line on mute, and Liz is one of the sponsors of the show, Brad, and we're delighted that she's joined us. Uh, she's not on the panel, though. Our second guest, and I have a great quote, is Christine Comaford. What a lady. What a, wait till I read your bio. Unbelievable. I'll just tell you briefly, she's a best-selling author, and she's what I call a business success strategist. Big time. And she says, leadership is a privilege to better the lives of others. 
it's not an opportunity to satisfy personal greed. Where does she get the quote? She quoted Mwai Kibaki, the president of Kenya, actually recently former president of Kenya. Great quote, Christine. You'll tell us what you meant by that in a few minutes. And rounding out the panel is SAP's own Carmen O'Shea. Carmen has a very personal quote. She says, my greatest professional accomplishment lies in the success of the individuals on my team. I love that, Carmen. She'll be talking to us in just a few minutes. So join us for the next hour for Leaders Showing Up, the power of leaders teaching leaders. I am Bonnie D. Graham, and this is HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. I hope you'll join us on the tweet stream. We've got Tom Flanagan and Malcolm Kimberlin and, let's see, Game Changers and SAP at SAP, all tweeting at hashtag SAP Radio. So join us. Jump right in. The water is fine. Let me tell you about my guests. Dr. Catherine Jones is Research Director of HCM and TM Technology at Burson Associates. She focuses on research on the underlying technologies and services that support the management of a global workforce, including HR, hiring, performance management, succession, leadership, strategic workforce planning. That's a big business card, Catherine. Before Burson, she was a Research Director at Aberdeen Group for eight years, establishing their human capital management practice, and she served as Director of Marketing for NetSuite. She's a widely published author on talent management, technology best practices, and once upon a time, before entering the world of high tech, Catherine was a university dean. Catherine Jones, Dr. Jones, welcome back to Game Changers Radio. How are you today? I'm great, Bonnie. Good to be back again. Thank you. Wonderful. Thanks for joining us. I know you're busy. We've actually got you booked for a couple more shows coming up the pike and down the pike here on this series. So delighted to have you back. And we have a lot to talk to you about. And Christine Comerford, what can I say? She's a coach, a consultant, the best-selling author of Smart Tribes, How Teams Become Brilliant Together and Rules for, wait for it, Renegades. Bill Gates has called Christine super high bandwidth. We'll find out why. President Bill Clinton thanked her for fostering American entrepreneurship. You're getting the, the hint here? Newsweek says, by reputation, Christine Comerford is the person you want to partner with. Christine has built and sold five of her own businesses at an average of 700% ROI. She's been on a board. Board of directors are served as advisor to 36 startups. She's invested in over 200 startups, including Google, as a VC or an angel. She's consulted to 700 of the Fortune 1000 and helped 50 businesses exit for up to $425 million. Christine Comerford. I could go on and on. Welcome. How are you today? I am terrific. Thank you so much for having me here, Bonnie. Delighted to have you, and thanks for the book. Appreciate it. It's on my reading to-do list. And rounding out our panel is Carmen O'Shea. She's the head of talent marketing at SAP, and Carmen was named the interim head of diversity at SAP from July 2012 to March of this year. Previously, she led innovation marketing at SAP. As part of the Senior Executive Women's Network at SAP, Carmen actively mentors employees. That's why she's on the show. Before joining SAP, she spent seven years at IBM, and she created the IBM IBM Multicultural Women's Network, which was the first cross-constituency effort of its kind. Carmen also led La Red. I have to ask you about that because I'm Radio Red. A 1,000-strong women Hispanic initiative focused on leadership development of IBM Latinas. Carmen O'Shea, how are you today? I am great. Thanks, Bonnie. Thank you for joining us. How are you feeling? You good? I'm hanging in there. 
<laughs> okay, Carmen's got a little cough, but she's here and she's she showed up. Carmen, that's 80% of success. So let's go back and, and and I think it's more more than that for you. So let's go back into the quotes and pull them apart. Catherine Jones, I'm going to just do a little bit of this. The real measure of a leader is his or her followers. What if the general at the front turned around, all the troops were nowhere to be seen? Talk to me, Catherine. Define leadership for us in your own words. Absolutely. Um a leader to me is much more than a manager. And I think sometimes when we look at um, the concept of developing leaders, we get hung up on, on that manager kind of thing there. And um, to me, the leader is the person that develops the vision that the manager may go out and manage, if you will. So when we look at research, and we've done tons of research recently on global leadership. So this is just a fascinating topic for me. And, I'll, you'll have to keep me quiet. Um, <laughs> well, I know we're going to be a talkative group. Take us a little farther into your quote, Catherine. Yeah. Uh, you said that leadership isn't a title. It's the ability to inspire and motivate, which is our topic. But it's take responsibility for the decision to charge. Tell me what that exactly means in the corporate world. Well, part of it is you've got, is you assume responsibility. You know, we think of Enron and all these um, things going on um, in big business and banks and all of that. And a leader is the person who says, um, this is my responsibility, and if it goes down, it's my fault. Okay, so standing up, being counted, and putting your name on the bottom line. That's, you got that's, imp- that's important. That's what Sarbanes-Oxley is about, that bottom line. And that's exactly what happened. But there's okay. more than that. We've got four things that we really look at in a leader. You've got to develop a vision, and that's a developing, that's the innovation, that's thinking about it. You've got to share the goals that would get to that vision. can't do it yourself, or you're not leading, you're just you know, doing it. Um, mm-hmm. Get support for that, and then deliver success. And that's a huge undertaking. That's a big charge, as you say. Let's move to, thank you, Catherine. Let's move to Christine. And you quoted Mawai, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, Kibaki, the president of Kenya. And the quote, Christine, is, leadership is a privilege to better the lives of others, not an opportunity to satisfy personal greed. Apply this to the corporate world for us, please, Christine. Absolutely. So as I see it, leadership is an opportunity. Um, it is not really a responsibility. It's a, it is a privilege And that's why with so many of our clients, we help them create a leadership code of conduct so people understand, you know, here is how we behave. Here is the code of conduct that we agree to. And a big part of our job is to cultivate the current and future generations. Our legacy is not in how many hospitals our name is on. It's in the human beings that we helped rise up. One thing that I know consistently and see is that Every single human being I've ever interacted with, and I've interacted with some pretty remarkable human beings, um, all of them, I find, aren't operating at the full capacity that they could operate in because they don't know how to get in and stay in what we call the smart state, the part of your brain where all three parts, reptilian, mammalian, neocortex, where you've got the innovation, the creativity, where you've got the emotional engagement, and where you are making sure that you're safe without being hijacked by it. So leaders really help understand how to cultivate that innovation, that collaboration, that creativity, that vibrance, that enthusiasm. And we'll talk about the different smart tribe accelerators that we use with clients to help them get in and stay in that beautiful brain state and bring their people in there too. 
But the very, very exciting. What, yes. Yeah, what we do is we we help people step into who they really can be. That's what our legacy is as leaders. Quick, quick question before we turn to Carmen. Ooh, somebody's got a little sounder on there, an alert. Christine, does every leader want to be that mentor, that coach, that coddler, that handholder, that charge person? Sometimes do they just want to do their job and say, okay, I got here and maybe I'm tired. Do you run across that, the human side? <laughs> Sorry to ask, but it's, it's real. It is. It is. And here's the thing. When we come across leaders that aren't really that excited any longer about cultivating others, we, we help them transition into a role where they can do all the cool strategy that floats their boat, but that doesn't have the expectation of cultivating others. So we would make them into a chief strategist or, or something else. Really, if they're a leader, they need to be cultivating others. That's a big part of their job description. I love it. That's that's important for us to establish that as a ground rule for our conversation. Thank you, Christine. A lot more coming from you. Carmen O'Shea, your quote, love this one. My greatest professional accomplishment lies in the success of the individuals on my team. That's what it's all about. Talk to me, Carmen. Tell me a little bit about who your team is and do you mentor them and how did they get this way? What did you do as their leader? Absolutely. So for me, at least, my, my team is really what gets me up in the morning. Uh, you know, whether I've been mentoring them, helping them grow, for me, it's been the one constant source of inspiration as a leader, and that's pretty much regardless of any role or, or even, you know, specific achievement that I've accomplished. And why? Well, to me, so people are actually the most complex challenge if you think about it, right? They're unpredictable. They can be capricious. So if you can really, as a leader, figure out how to get the most out of them in different situations, figure out what motivates them, maybe even, you know, I dare say help them, uh, help them understand and find purpose in their job, if you can do all of that as a leader, then you're actually engaging them. And I, I, mean, I, I often say if you can't get the leadership part right and engaging your people, then you don't get the results. If you do get it right... Though, I think to Christine's point, the results are multiplied because then it's not just you and your leadership. It's actually the people around you and the people that you're influencing and you're leading. And I think to me it's, uh, you know, I, I think it doesn't necessarily have to be the direct people who are on your team. I think it can be a broad set of people that you mentor, that you teach. It can be up, down, across. But the key is to recognize that we're all connected. And in order to kind of have collective success as an organization, as groups of people, we need to be constantly looking at how do we teach each other, how do we lead each other. It's not in a vacuum. Thank you, Carmen. And you used a wonderful word. You used the word capricious. I know what it means. You know what it means. But I just wanted to look it up to get all the flavors and the nuances. I'm just going to read before we go to break. Pardon me, but capricious. Yes, three syllables, capricious. And yes, this is a, not a Jeopardy word, kids. Given to sudden and unaccountable changes of mood or behavior. Synonyms, get ready for it. Fickle, inconstant, changeable, variable, mercurial, volatile, unpredictable, temperamental, and there are more I will not go into. So this this is the reality check. It's people are right, exactly. People are people. Christine knows this from your neuroscience studies. Catherine knows it from your studies and from your days in the university deanship you had. We all know it that people are not always in the mood. To, hey, I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to teach. I want to be a leader today. Sometimes it's just about getting through the day. So the question is, how do you motivate? But I think the bigger question is, how do you inspire? On that note, I hope I've inspired and my panel has inspired our listeners to want to listen to the rest of the hour. 
more. We've got a lot more great insights, expertise, and inspiration from our wonderful panel today. Dr. Catherine Jones from Burson by Deloitte, Christine Comerford, best-selling author, I'll stop right there, and Carmen O'Shea, SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Remember, don't think of even touching that mouse, that dial, that app. We'll be right back with lots more. Brad, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. With companies like yours competing aggressively for top talent today, HR tactics must be comprehensive and precise. Today's reality, your HR department is faced with the demands of a multi-generational and globalized workforce, diversity and inclusion policies, work-life integration challenges, and more. The bottom line, you need to attract and retain the best fit talent to support your strategies and goals, optimize your employee engagement, and become an industry-leading employer of choice. HR Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying HR Trends with Game Changers. Presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to HR Trends with Game Changers. Here we are, and it's time to find out what my guests are drinking today or what they want us to think they're drinking. So I'll start with Dr. Catherine Jones from Burson. Catherine, what are you drinking today? What's in your coffee break cup? Well, I got um, Herod's chamomile tea, and it's a whole bunch of dried flowers. They're the real chamomile flowers, and you add hot water. And I've got to say that fresh chamomile tea, tea tastes a lot like a pile of dust. <laughs> Did you say dust? Did you dust. say dust? I dust. said dust. Okay. <laughs> okay. Do you put anything in it or you just go straight dust? I It's straight dust, yeah. <laughs> well, it that's one dust. of the more interesting coffee. It is. It is. Well, I hope you're having fun with it. Christine Comerford, where are you called? By the way, Catherine, where are you today, by the way? Where are you? I'm in San Francisco. Okay. All right. You're still in the States. Good to know. Christine mm-hmm. Comerford, what are you drinking today? Or what do you want us to think you're drinking? What do you wish you were drinking? I'll give you a choice. You know, I'm drinking water, and I really wish I had a uh, emergency pack of mandarin orange vitamin C powder in my plain old water. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Are we? Is it that season? Are we in uh, prevent the cold season, vitamin C? I think I'm getting there. I'm just seeing lots of sneezing and coughing around me, so I'm getting a little paranoid, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, you can't get it from Carmen because she's in another city on a phone, so she's not going to give you her a cough. Carmen O'Shea, what are you drinking today? 
So I am drinking hot chocolate, peppermint to be exact, because I actually don't like coffee. But what I wish I were drinking, there's two things, actually. Either I'm with Catherine on the homemade chamomile tea. My mother-in-law in in Greece makes a mean cup of chamomile tea. I I wish I were drinking that. The other thing I could stand drinking is guava juice. Uh, The first time I had that, I was a fresh guava juice. I was uh, a kid living with uh, family in San Juan, Puerto Rico, uh, learning Spanish for the summer. And that sort of has stuck with me. I'll take either of those over the hot chocolate. Very well. I'll go with the mint hot chocolate, but I know guava. I've used guava. I've had guava jelly, and I think the first time I was introduced to that, Carmen, was when I was in Bermuda a gazillion years ago and uh-huh. went to high t- high tea in the very damp and very cool, even though it was blazing hot summer, basement of somebody's home on the tourist route. And you went in and went down some steps into this beautiful basement, and they served you scones and tea, and I believe guava jelly was served. That was my first. Very, very interesting. And Johnny Cakes, but that's another show okay thank you ladies very much for your coffee break stories and i didn't see any from oh let's see tom flanagan says i don't know what he's talking about enjoying my butter and mct oil infused bulletproof coffee oh with a banana and berry smoothie very very good malcolm i'm sure i'm sure malcolm is doing something with phil's coffee today he's he's a real phil's fan these days so malcolm we will read your tweet if you get around to doing it during the show that's great so let's move into our serious discussion of leadership showing up, the power of leaders teaching leaders. Dr. Catherine Jones from Burson, let's start off with a couple of very interesting things you sent me before the show. Uh, let's, let's kick off with these two thoughts. One is leadership competencies vary by country. And since we are a global show, Catherine, I know mm-hmm. for a fact I can prove we're heard in at least 61 countries because I have Google Analytics on our web, one of our websites, but the radio station tells me we're heard in about 200 countries. So somewhere between 61 and 200 countries are going to listen to this, and they want to know what's in it for me. So leadership competencies vary by country, and then you also say leaders in global companies must respect their individual differences. Pick one and let's start, and then I'll have the other panelists join it. Great. Well, one of the things that, that um, our research looked at was how people differ in, in leadership positions across the globe. And we might think that there's some sort of innate leader, leader gene, but in fact what people bring to the opportunity of being a leader as a goal, uh, for example, in the management tracks and are trained to be executives, uh, they come with very, very different skills, competencies, and um, uh, baggage to a certain extent. Part mm-hmm. of it's from the difference in the education systems across the globe. For example, in China, there's a very rote uh, method of education, and that is a find the right answer and give me the right answer, uh, which is very different than um, the kind of education that might have produced the Steve Jobs and that very visionary, um, of course we can do it, we just need to think about it, uh, view of life. So that's education um, is one thing. And then looking at how people communicate, which is different across the globe. We all know that, and we all know that, that as you look at um, things like communicating up, which may be a skill, and mm-hmm. communicating down as a leader, maybe two different things. And I would, I would like to talk to Carmen and, um, and Christine on this one, but I think it's just a, it's really, really important to communicate. I'm going to say down. Carmen mentioned teams, how you work with your team, um, as important as communicating up with whatever the executives are um, over, over and above one. 
Great points. Thank you. Christine, you want to jump in here and then Carmen? And ladies, don't wait for me to call you. Just just dive in. We're all all together in this. So, Christine, why don't you uh, jump jump in with where Catherine left off first? Yes, yes. Okay, so so that's totally interesting um, kind of cross-cultural stuff. I'm going to dive below that to human being 101. Okay, so mm-hmm. beneath all the cultural stuff, and I've been in 24 different countries this year already. Um, so I get it, and what, what Catherine's saying is really helpful. So, but I want to go subterranean. Uh, and remember, I hang out in the world of, you know, understanding the human being's brain and how to enroll it, engage it, inspire it, get it to perform like it's never performed before. So based on that, I want everyone to think about Maslow and how Maslow was right. And it doesn't matter who you are, how much power you do or you do not have, whatever role you're in, every human being craves at a subterranean level safety, belonging, and mattering. Mm -hmm. So my question is when I'm looking at leaders, when I'm looking at budding leaders, when I'm looking at colleagues up, down, across the work chart, I'm always looking at what is this person really asking for? Because when a person is in what we call their critter state, when they are in an amygdala hijack, when they're in fight, flight, freeze, frustration, hopelessness, anger, they are actually screaming, if you will, for safety, belonging, or mattering. Here's a quick way to decode this in your workplace. So Mm -hmm. remember, if someone's in their critter state, they're not in their smart state, they're in their critter state, they're in trouble um, internally, we want to look at what they're creating outside because that's going to mirror what they have inside. So for instance, if someone is really feeling unsafe, and they're, and they're really triggered, they're going to start spreading fear, rumors, gossip to make everybody else unsafe so their outer world mimics their inner world. Mm-hmm. If they are feeling isolated, not part of the team, and they're feeling short on belonging, they will create silos, separation, they will isolate, they won't respond to emails or voicemail. That's when we need to loop them in, give them the experience of belonging. I'll get into that in a sec. And then if they are condescending, making people feel smaller than, they Mm -hmm. internally are not feeling appreciated, not feeling like they matter, that they have unique gifts that are being acknowledged and, and such. So when we see this, we need to zoom in as a leader leading other leaders or our 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 team members, we need to zoom in and bring safety. Hey, I've got your back. Hey, let's talk about how we can innovate here. I'd really love to know your ideas. Belonging, I'm so psyched you're on the team. Hey, how, who else can we loop into the team? How else can we make this a bigger project and really build a powerful tribe here? Mattering, wow, you are totally the person to rock this project, Bonnie. I'm so psyched that you're owning this project. How can I help you succeed and shine and really move the needle for the company? So well, you just got me all excited. <laughs> that's that's, that's uh, first. Then we lay the cultural stuff on top. Yeah, go ahead. It's it's great. I want to hear Carmen chime in because Carmen, we, we talked about your pride in in your team and their leadership and your success and theirs. How does all this resonate with you in terms of we talked with Catherine about education, we talked right. with Christine about these the the critter and the safety and the mattering and and what mentality do you feel you need or you need to motivate or inspire in your team to get them to a level where they want to be leaders as well? Right. So maybe if we pull together both of those threads of, okay, what's what's first common and then maybe what's different. I think, you know, agreeing with Christine, if you look at what's common, I think there are a couple of very sort of human-oriented characteristics that every leader should have and should try to impart regardless of who they are, where they come from. These are things like being a good communicator, right? It doesn't matter what country you're in necessarily, even maybe what state you're in, you have to kind of be able to access your core communication skills and relate to other people what you're trying to, to get across. 
The second thing would be humility, right? I think if you, there have been studies that say really the greatest leaders go beyond being excellent performers. They're actually humble while they're at it. And I think if you're humble enough to know what you don't know and to know that there are always a lot of other smarter people on your team, on the room, in the room with you, et cetera, that's something that transcends any cultural um, or other barrier, you know, boundaries. I think the third would be the ability to take initiative, right? So if, you know, some, if there's something that uh, needs to be done and you're not sure what to do, you're, nobody's quite sure, nobody really wants to jump in, a leader is the one who jumps in, takes the initiative, even if they're not sure where it's going. And I think naturally others will follow. Uh, and then the fourth one I think that's common is this, this concept of empathy. So can a leader really get under their follower's skin, get under their people's skin, understand where they're coming from, at what point they need to meet them, and what, what is it going to take to motivate this group of people? So I look at sort of communications, humility, initiative, and empathy as the common things, regardless of, I think, generational um, or cultural differences. I think, though, that there are definitely some times where differences are warranted, and this is where I'd maybe leverage the concept of situational leadership, which mm-hmm. is, okay, depending on what situation a, leadership, a leader is confronted with, let's take, for example, a crisis situation. If a leader is in crisis mode or something dire is happening, a leader may need to be a little bit more prescriptive or authoritarian. If, on the other hand, there's a new situation or something ambiguous and we're not exactly sure what the best course of action is, then you may need more of a consensus-building style. So I do think it's important for a leader to flex different styles in different situations, also based on who their people are. But I do think there are some common core attributes that are really important for us to remember as leaders across the board. Thank you, Carmen. I think we, yes, we have two minutes, according to Brad, two minutes to the end of the segment. I want to throw perhaps a monkey wrench or a, a new thought into this conversation. Organizations are not flat. We have hierarchies. We have C-suites. We have leaders. We have planning. We have goals. We have bottom line strategic, strategic plans that the company feels strongly about. We have to do X, Y, and Z to get to this stage of our growth, of our, our leadership, of our global position, of our game-changing game playing in our industry, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So when we talk about leaders and teams, and this is wonderful, the safety, the belonging, the mattering, the inspiration, all of the wonderful things we're talking about, ladies, how does this jibe if you've got a very strong and perhaps tightly wrapped, you know what I'm talking about, leadership team at the tippy top of the company that says, don't go getting too innovative on us. We have a very, very tight time frame to accomplish X, Y, and Z. You'd better be on track. So what do you do? How does it come? How, does, how do you trickle up? I think Christine talked about that or Catherine speaking up to leadership, to the top leadership and saying, hey, we want to build the the team we want to build leaders and we need a little latitude here who wants to take that quickly we have about a minute and a half till break we can continue that after the break anybody well i I think one thing this is Catherine here um Mm -hmm. is that leaders are need to be transformational um but there's a time in the company when in fact that transactional management part might actually make sense. But if you're a leader in the middle, in that situation that you've just described, Mm -hmm. um, it is in in a a situation where you've got a very operational, you know, steady state kind of thing going on maybe, or uh, where the idea of transforming might be difficult, uh, yeah, that might be a real challenge, but that does not mean that the person responsible for a team can't do all the things that Carmen just articulated so carefully that go along with how you're going to grow that team over time. 
Okay, Christine, you want to add to that? I don't believe, yeah, I don't believe in stasis at all. My experience over the past 30 years is that companies either moving forward or they're sliding back. There is no stasis. It doesn't exist. So when we have um, maybe on the, at the tippy top, they're like, let's just keep everything the same. That's totally yes. fine. Let's go in deeper, though. So we're going to keep things the same. We're going to keep growing at this, at this pace, but we can grow leadership by increasing our focus, our clarity, our accountability, our ability to influence others and outcomes, especially influence up the org chart, and our sustainable results. If we're getting consistent, reliable results, and I don't know any leader who will tell you that every single person gives them consistent, reliable results. And if we're not getting that, let's go deeper into the behaviors and the capabilities and the beliefs and the identity of our people and work on that. And that then, as a byproduct, as a byproduct, will spur growth. And we'll talk about techniques after the break. Carmen, go ahead. Sure. So just a quick addition to that. I, I think that leadership is actually integral to strategy, right? So I don't think you should necessarily talk about a leadership strategy. I think you talk about your strategy, and leadership is an integral part of that. And I think if you look at it from that mindset, then you're able to kind of flex, as Christine mentioned, um, uh, depending on where the needs of the business are. Maybe what I'll end, in, end on for, for after the break is that Everyone really can be a leader sometimes in the right situations if they step up. So it doesn't have to just be vested in their particular title or, you know, formal designation or, hey, these are the top, the top of the company so nobody else can be a leader. Nobody else can have those uh, leadership perspectives. I think that's important to keep in mind. Very important, and that's what we covered last week, leadership, empowering leaders at all levels. And speaking of leaders, I'm going to lead us out of the box here and over to the break. We're going to go play on the playground for 57 seconds, give my guests a rest. We're with Dr. Catherine Jones from Burson by Deloitte, Christine Comerford, best-selling author and neuroscience coach and strategist for businesses and governments, and Carmen O'Shea from SAP. I'm still Bonnie D. Graham, and happy to be here. We're on HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that dial, that app. We'll be right back. Brad, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. With companies like yours competing aggressively for top talent today, HR tactics must be comprehensive and precise. Today's reality, your HR department is faced with the demands of a multi-generational and globalized workforce, diversity and inclusion policies, work-life integration challenges, and more. The bottom line, you need to attract and retain the best fit talent to support your strategies and goals, optimize your employee engagement, and become an industry-leading employer of choice. HR Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're enjoying HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at twitter hashtag sapradio now let's get back to hr trends with game changers 
here we are. We're back with Carmen O'Shea, Christine Comerford, and Dr. Catherine Jones. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and we're going to continue our thought about leadership, empowering leaders, showing up, training leaders, inspiring, getting that leadership mentality that everybody has something to contribute. Carmen O'Shea, let's continue where we left off, please. Why don't you kick off this segment of our roundtable for me? Absolutely. So I think we were talking about the fact that everyone has an opportunity to be a leader on, on mm-hmm. occasion. I think if you look at leadership in large part as teaching, then you say, well, there's lots of opportunities to teach, right? Teaching is sort of this broad idea that can mean everything from how do I model a particular behavior to maybe how do I spot mentor somebody who's going through a difficult uh, challenge or difficult patch to actually formal teaching formal leadership. And I think if you look at that spectrum, then it's really, uh, there are opportunities for everybody to be a part of that. Um, and uh, and I think this also goes to the mentoring concept too, which is that mentoring is absolutely a part of jobs, the job uh, description for leaders. It, it can't be a nice to have. It's got to be something that they take on up, down, and across. It's a must-have. I want to talk to uh, Christine. You might want to jump in on this one. Since you study neuroscience and talk about the, the inner workings and the subterranean parts of the brain and all that wonderful, wonderful knowledge you share, um, Carmen made a, a point to me before the show, and I, I want Christine to go with this. Seek to understand your team. I think you need to be a little bit of a, a den mother, a psychologist, a coach, a mentor, a patter on the back, a tough love kind of person, and and Carmen says you have to discern your team's motives. You have to catalyze them to action. You have to take time to understand and know their strengths, their weaknesses. And she says this takes time and effort, but it bears fruit. In your studies, in your travels, do you find this is true, Christine Comerford? Uh, yes, I do, and I, I also find the most important thing when we want to lead somebody, and it doesn't matter where they are in the org chart, is we need to realize that as leaders, we have to, it's our job to step into the other person's world. We want the little yes. critter brain who's always saying, safe or not, safe or not. I'm an antelope. Are you an antelope or are you a lion? You know, we want the little critter brain to say, oh, I'm an antelope. You're an antelope. Yay. You're not going to eat me. And there's a lot of different techniques that we use to lead up, down, across. And I just want to do a couple of quick ones because I want you guys to have sure. some real tangible techniques to use afterwards. Please write these down, everybody. There are three techniques or three influencing phrases that I want you guys to try out. The first one is, I need your help. We don't say it in a mad way. We go, wow, you know, I really need your help here. You can use this up, down, across the org chart. It's called a dom-sub-swap. When the dominant person uses it, the subordinate person and the dominant person swap roles. It's a power Mm. shift. So you ask somebody um, who reports to you, now they get big and you get small because they're going to be rendering the help. Wow, we really need your help with this. It's a great way to give somebody safety belonging and mattering, a lot of mattering, and they'll rise up and help. Second, what if? What if is like when you throw a beach ball into a concert and then people start to bat the ball around? What if is a way to throw an idea out there, not have it misunderstood as a directive, throw an idea out there, enroll and engage people to make that idea their own? Third, would it be helpful if? When someone's totally hijacked, they're in their critter state, they're really scared, you know, we go in, we coach executives, we train teams, and inevitably the revenue starts to really rise. Then usually the head of sales will say, okay, let's change all the quotas. Let's raise the quotas 30 to 50%. Then the salespeople get all freaked out, and he says, oh, call Christine. She'll give you some neuro tools. You'll be fine. So they call us. They're freaked out, and we say, hey, would it be helpful if um, we start to look at your pipeline? We start to, you know, we, and we walk them through. We're pulling them into their prefrontal cortex. We're pulling them into planning, strategizing, problem solving, as opposed to, ah, fight, flight, freeze. So those three, three phrases, I need your help. 
what if, would it be helpful if, are great ways to lead up, down, across the org chart and to powerfully enroll and engage people. Christine, Christine. I love those. This is Carmen. Could I add to the tool bag? Would that be all right? Please. Um, Okay, yeah. so I think that it's also important for everybody to truly believe that they can mentor someone else. It doesn't, you don't have to be senior. You don't have to manage people. You don't have to have a team experience. Some of the best mentors, in my experience, have actually been employees who, for the first time, realized their own capabilities and said, hey, I have something to offer. So I think everybody can be a mentor. The second tool that I know has probably been talked about out there but that has proven effective in my experience is this concept of reverse mentoring. So it's saying, okay, it doesn't always just go top down. There's also this concept of taking someone, either they're younger, uh, less experience in the business, less experience on a particular project, et cetera, and saying because of the openness I bring to the table or because of my different perspective, I have something to offer even to much, you know, much more entrenched leaders or senior leaders. So the concept of reverse mentoring, I think, is a, is a good one. The third one would be don't give peers a hard time. We haven't talked too much about the across part. I think mm-hmm. maybe because we look at peers sometimes in a competitive uh, way. Yeah, you know, peers are what make or break one as well. You know, sometimes you're going to be working for that person. They may be working for you. But at the end of the day, you have to be working together to, to garner the best results. So I would say don't give peers a hard time. Enlist, enlist their support. And the final tool I would say is to look at, as a leader, granting the permission to fail to yourself, to your team, to those around you, right? I mean, obviously, it doesn't always make sense, but where it does, let people know that you're vulnerable, that it's okay to fail sometimes, that you learn from the mistakes, and that you build resilience in, in that sort of failure process. Thank yeah, you, Carmen. There's no such thing as failure. There's just feedback. Ah, that technique mm-hmm. didn't totally work. I like that no. one. Yeah. Okay, question for my panel. How do you convey this mindset, all these wonderful, by the way, the three of you are fantastic together. I'm chatting here with Malcolm and Tom on the side here, uh, and they're saying, this is intense. I said, this is a class, not just a roundtable discussion. We're giving a course today. This is free online training, everybody. But my question for the panel is, how does a company culture change to embrace these concepts? Meaning... Somebody walks in the door, they say, oh, this is a great company, I want to work here, they're in HR, they're doing their interview. How do you say to them, we will help you succeed? Not, well, what are your skills and what pay do you want and we think we have an opening next year. How do you say, we're looking for somebody who has an open mindset, who wants to learn leadership, who wants to succeed, but we will cushion your fall if you fail and we'll help you grow. We will share our leadership knowledge and our expertise. Are companies, uh, uh, Catherine, are companies telling their prospective, their prospective employees today that this is our company culture or hasn't it evolved yet to that point? What do you observe from Burson? Well, I think that it, that if we look at the grand the sweep of companies across the globe, they probably are, are a little further down on the evolutionary scale than that. But when we look at some of the, the uh, you know, the really uh, stellar companies today or ones that have made a, a unique name for themselves in the industry. We have things like that. Um, you know, take a day to think about what you want to think about or, or take an hour to work on a project uh, of your own creation. And I think that one of the things that, that back to the individual and working on the team is the idea that what you do has merit and is important and you might want to be able to do that, think outside the box or even think in the box because sometimes we get so busy at work that we don't have much of, uh, of real thought time. And to go back to what that means in the, in the corporate world in general is that we need people leaders, whether they're 
a mentor or a uh, a new millennial coming right in is to be able to listen to other people's views. And sometimes we get so busy, I think, that we forget to just stop and listen. And then kind of look at, you know, how, how can I how can I motivate? And as uh, Christine said so so beautifully, how to empower others. Okay, Carmen, thoughts on this? Yeah, so I think the first one is is the humility point again, right, which is that, hey, we have something to learn from the people coming into this company. So a recognition that people coming in are affecting the culture just as much as we are expecting the incoming people to kind of mold to the existing culture. Great point. Thing, great, great point. I don't, I don't want to go away from that yet. Okay. The people okay. coming in, yes, I think that's a key that we haven't talked about. The, the people coming in have the opportunity to impact the company culture as much as the people who will receive them into the company. Very, very good. How do you deal with that with your teams, Carmen? How do you how do you prepare the team and say, "Wow, look what we just hired. Let's learn and grow from them." Does that happen that exactly that way or differently? Um, I, I think it's moving more towards that, especially as Catherine alluded to, with the generational now, um, mm-hmm. the different generations in the workforce altogether. I think there's three, if not four, sometimes that are that are together. I think part of it is also maybe looking at the tangible investment a leader, a team, a company makes in in the people. So this can this can be in the form of ongoing learning opportunities, maybe a physical or at least a you know a virtual curriculum and set of offerings for leaders. Um, and I think also it's it's sort of a a cultural view that says when we look at leadership, it's not monolithic or it's not static, as Christine mentioned before. It's um, it needs to account for the diversity of thought, the diversity of background, et cetera, that people bring to the table, whether they're, you know, 22 or, or 30 years into their career. Very good. Christine, you want to comment on that from your, yeah. your smart tribes perspective, please? Yes. I want to, and by the way, everybody listening, um, all the techniques I'm talking about are in smart tribes. Um, but here's Thank a couple you. things. Um, the vast majority of our clients, our most successful clients, no matter what size the company is, they have 24 hours of learning for everybody in the company. It's a very learning-oriented culture. That means they've got book clubs, et cetera, webinars. Everybody gets 24 hours of learning per year. And then the leaders get two dedicated weeks of cultivating, growing their leadership. But um, I really want to talk about briefly finding out what people really want because whether you want to shift your culture, shift your leadership, get better marketing results, get better sales results, there's a neuro tool. Everybody just write this down. I'm going to just give you four questions to ask people. There's a neuro tool called an outcome frame. This gets people out of looking at the problem and looking into what they want to create. This is something someone can use up, down, across the org chart, and this helps people really feel, as we were hearing before, you know, listen to, connected with. So the first question is, hey, what would you like? And be curious. You know, never be irritated. Always be curious. This is a great conflict tool as well. Someone's losing it. Hey, what would you really like here? Ah, cool. Okay, that's the outcome that they want. What would having that do for you? This is the benefit or how they want to feel. Hey, what would having that do for you? What would you get if you had that? Now we get to feel, now we get a feeling for what internal experience they want to have. And then third, how will you know when you have it? What external proof is going to show up? And then what are your next steps? Example, you know, if someone's really irritated, what would you like? Well, I, I need more strategic time. Ah, great. Okay, so what would happen that do for you? Well, I'd feel more energized. I wouldn't feel like such a cog in the wheel. I'd feel more excited. I would be leading the company where I should be. How would you know when you had it? Well, when I finally got our strategic time done, um, our strategic plan done, et cetera, what are your next steps? Well, you know, maybe I should just start doing two hours of strategy every Friday morning. You know, helping somebody kind of get out of being irritated or stuck and getting into what they want to create. Thank you, um, I want to say one quick thing. From hearing yes. all these things, I think everybody needs three things, and I'm just going to email it to everybody. Everybody needs a code of conduct. 
They need to really assess their level of leadership and focus, clarity, accountability, influence, and sustainability. And then they really need to how to they need to figure out how to do IDPs, simple, lean, non ridiculous, fast, effective IDPs, individual development plans. So I'm gonna um, let's just do this. If you go to christinecomeaford.com slash join, like join our tribe, when you when you get to the how'd you hear about us, you have to say SAP. Say SAP or SAP Radio. And SAP Radio. Message. That's what we want. We want SAP Radio. Please, but just go in ahead. Just case they mess up. Okay, yes. Yep. So say SAP Radio and how you heard about them. <laughs> we'll send you those three things because there's so much for us to talk about, and we just only have so much time. Thank you so much. Ladies, we've gone to the end of our time on the roundtable. You're right, Christine. We're, we just barely scratched the surface. We never know where the conversation's going to go on SAP Game Changers Radio, and you have all proven that. We have so much more than we even expected to talk about. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. I'm asking my three panelists, Dr. Catherine Jones, Christine Comerford, that's C-O-M-A-F-O-R-D, and Carmen O'Shea, to polish off the crystal ball. I bet somebody's got one that's made by Steuben. I've been waiting weeks for somebody to say that. I'll say it. Mine is Steuben. And we're going to come back and have them look into the crystal ball and tell us what will this conversation be like five years from today in 2018. The power of leaders teaching leaders. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Brad out. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. With companies like yours competing aggressively for top talent today, HR tactics must be comprehensive and precise. Today's reality, your HR department is faced with the demands of a multi-generational and globalized workforce, diversity and inclusion policies, work-life integration challenges, and more. The bottom line, you need to attract and retain the best fit talent to support your strategies and goals, optimize your employee engagement, and become an industry-leading employer of choice. HR Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Enjoying HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to HR Trends with Game Changers. And it's time for the crystal ball segment. That translates to predictions. I have three very smart, motivated, inspiring, and inspirational panelists. I want to know what do you see five years from today if we reconvened and had the conversation, the power of leaders teaching leaders. Let's start with Dr. Catherine Jones from Burson. Catherine, what's ahead? (laughs) Okay. Well, if that, given the best of all possible worlds, if this works out, what I want to see in five years okay. is that we can do global, we can train global leaders. In other words, not just have leaders who can run uh, a team locally or whatever, but we can actually get people who understand with their, the business acumen of whatever their business is, 
but can look at how to behave and how to manage a global team uh, and understand. We talked about, Carmen talked about diversity. Several That word came up several times, and it's very mm-hmm. important. How to manage a really diverse workforce across the globe so that we, we make better business decisions that are based on better people decisions and grow those folks um, all over the globe knowing that there are differences in the styles and the education and all the things with which those folks and ages, not to mention those millennials again, um, Mm -hmm. approach business so that we don't have a one-size-fits-all approach to leadership development because that simply won't work, and we look at um, how do we get global leaders in a global workforce. Good. I, I have a question. I don't know if you were the one who mentioned it, Catherine, before we move on to Christine. Maybe it was Christine's point about how many generations does the, I hate to use the word average, but today's average, let's say, SME, midsize enterprise have in their workforce. I know we start with the low end. Let's not talk about the high school and college interns who are still in their late teens or still in college. Let's talk about millennials just barely out of college. How many generations do we typically have? Catherine from Burson, do you have any statistics on that? Well, I was just talking to a company that had a workforce that ranged from 19 to 90. Yes. And I think that's, what is that, uh, five generations maybe? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Probably is. Thank you. Thank you, mm-hmm. Catherine. That, that's inclusive. That's diverse. Mm-hmm. Okay. Christine Comerford, <laughs> talk to me. Five years yeah. from today, will we be having the conversation or will it be a done deal and leaders will be teaching leaders? It will be part of corporate playbooks and strategies, mindsets, cultures, and communities. Tell me, what do you see? I think we'll be having a slightly different conversation, but leadership is never going to go out of style. So I think in the next five years, we're going to see a profound rise in neuroscience-based leadership just because it's so wicked efficient. You know, we can do an hour-and-a-half program in a company, and 33 to 42% of the entire company says, give me more responsibility, please. I don't need more pay, but I want to step in. As we use these techniques... You know, just get smart tribes and do a lunch and learn. That's what most of the companies on the planet are doing now. They're just doing the lunch and learn groups. Don't spend any budget. You know, just do lunch and learn groups with the smart tribes techniques, and that's how you get that intrinsic motivation. Extrinsic, you're going to be busy forever giving carrots, you know, or providing sticks. But intrinsic, when the person deeply aches and yearns to have that profound fulfillment to rise up to really find out how cool they can be, that's the sort of stuff that's really powerful. So, um that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing more and more companies are getting into neuroscience, are using these techniques, and are getting these tremendous top and bottom line results. So now leadership, as, as everyone's been saying, can be more adaptable, can be at all levels, and then we can get into the more interesting, how do we get even deeper levels of profound collaboration? How do we get things done? A lot of our clients just do sprints. We do 90-day sprints to create tremendous amounts of evolution. I don't like to use the word change. And mm-hmm. so we're seeing that if we tap the person much more deeply, we can get amazing, unheard of levels of performance actually very quickly and with deep fulfillment. Thank you, Christine. Going back to my generational question to Catherine, mm-hmm. what generations within the workforce are apt to most apt to get this neuroscience approach, the tribes approach, the leaders empowering leaders and teaching leaders? Which, which generation or which generations, plural, quickly are most apt to get it and want to embrace it in the workforce today? You know, I don't think it's generational, but it may be, it may be educational. And that is that if you're going, it, there's a, a psychology um, 101 background to understand um, some of that, and I think that that it can clearly be cross-generational. Okay. 
Thank you. And it's time for us to turn to Carmen O'Shea. Carmen, I know you polished off the crystal ball during the break. And what do you see five years from today? Will this conversation, as Christine says, be a little bit different, a lot different? Will we even be having it? How far do you think we will have come in five years on Leaders Teaching Leaders? Sure. So three, let's call them predictions, wishes. Um, one is that leadership will be recognized and nurtured at all levels. And I think we've hit on this today, but this, this concept that it's not just a function of a title, certain number of years, et cetera, um, a recognition that leadership comes from all corners. We don't expect all the places that it comes from. And I think big companies like SAP even that have sort of grown up um, with a certain leadership style that's predominating need to really acknowledge the fact and embrace the fact that leaders are going to come from different places and be motivated perhaps in different ways. That's one. The second um, area is this concept about I think there, there will be really even more mingling between leaders both in different sectors, so think NGO, corporate partnerships, and also, as we've mentioned, across the generations. So you look at the baby boomers who have the life experience, maybe the Gen Xers who have the entrepreneurial streak, the millennials who have the eagerness and the impatience. You know, it's such a powerhouse combo when they're all put together. And when you look at kind of those core ways and consistent ways, we can get the most out of them. Um, and then I think third is this, this acknowledgement more uniformly that leadership quotient is actually a combination of somebody's emotional intelligence, their intellect, and their business savvy. You need them all. You can't just have one without the other in order to really drive um, and, and create the most effective leaders. Thank you very much. Great predictions from all three of my guests. And you know what? I have my predictions, but they're written down. Yes, they are. Let me tell you, my listeners, what's coming up next two weeks on HR Trends with Game Changers. Next week, OMG, October 1st already, impossible. We're going back to our DNI topic. We covered it, and it came up several times during the conversation today, diversity and inclusion. We're going to talk about the business impacts of DNI. What does it mean to your bottom line, your company culture, your community? your future, your industry. October 8th, Business Trends, the HR-led business. That should be a very powerful conversation. And of course, you know, near and dear to my heart is Coffee Break with Game Changers, our flagship show. Wednesdays, I'll be on the air tomorrow at 11 Eastern, 8 Pacific. Our topic tomorrow, fascinating, manufacturing survival, idea to performance. If you don't know what that is, listen in. We're right here on the Business Channel. Find us. And October 2nd, we'll be revisiting a popular topic, our Care Circles community autism awareness part two great panel on that special thank yous dr Catherine jones pleasure to have you back thanks for taking the time during your busy travels christine comiford delightful to meet you and i think you're coming up on a future show so i know you and i will be revisiting soon carmen o'shea lovely to meet you great insights thank you and i hope you feel better you sounded great on the air i don't know what cold you're talking about shout outs liz brenner thank you for sponsoring this series i think we're doing great great information Tom Flanagan couldn't do it without you. He's my best practices, series, manager, person, everything. Thank you, Tom. Malcolm Kimberlin is always my co-producer. Brad and the Business Channel team, you all rock. And here's my call to action. You ready? Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. I'm Bonnie D. Graham for SAP Game Changers Radio. See you on the radio tomorrow for Coffee Break with Game Changers, bright and early, 8 Pacific on the Business Channel. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. 
Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. We'll be right back.